Okay, this is Sunday, the 18th of April, 2021. Wow, uh, this is the month of transformation. Um, Carol, Carol found an article. This is not what my call is about, but uh, I'll try to. I think it might be on our Great Awakening chat. I'm not sure, but about the full moon that's coming up on the 26th of this month it's like the energy is off the charts right now and it's getting more so as time goes on so i think we're in uh, very very interesting times to say the least so for the purpose of um, bringing information or data to the world or to the people, I shouldn't say the world, but the people, uh, everything we do here on this platform is protected under the laws of nature and nature's God, otherwise known as common law due process. And it is also protected and safeguarded under the common law copyright of the House of Graber. And I am Paul Albert of the House of Graber the paterfamilias or the head of the house. So what I want to talk about today and interact with you guys a little bit, Glenn, I know you've got some experience in this area, some very valuable experience, and that is um, how do we how do we function and how do we act when we are approached by soliciting agents? And that can be a policy enforcer on the road. It can be the, a policy enforcer um, like OSHA, which you've had some experience with, Glenn. It can be, yeah. you know, it, it can be a, a clerk at one of their offices um, there's other situations. Now, the, the court sending us, their, their kangaroo court sending out invitations and uh, solicitations, that, that's um, a little bit different, but yet it's the same thing. How do we function? Because um, here's why, why I want to go here. Carol and I had an incident uh, last week where we got pulled over because uh, we weren't wearing seatbelts. And this was up in Michigan. And I'll tell you how that went down here a little bit, but when, when I um, told the rest of our group at our coffee shop meeting on Tuesday night, this was Tuesday forenoon or, or earlier in the day, and then Tuesday night I told the others about it, there's something that I observed there, and that is that quite a few of the people there got very uncomfortable, and it, it's the the conversation kind of went um, it, it went into a dead end, and not because we had people in the meeting that were bad or or uh, had ill intentions, not because they were rude intentionally. Uh, I think it was a subconscious reaction to what I was 
what I was putting on the table. It was a subconscious reaction based on the, the fear or the initial response that pops up. So, Glenn, you can relate to this. And I don't know. I, I'm assuming, Tina, that you can, you can relate to it as well. What is your... What is your... Uh, I'm going to check and see if anybody else is on here. No, not... What is your response? What what kind of picture do you comes up in your mind when you think about being pulled over by a police officer? Me personally? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. Be nice, cooperate. Maybe they'll let me go. Usually they do. Okay. So, so it's not, it's not an enjoyable experience by any, I don't know of anybody that likes it. And so I wanted to talk about a little bit. It's, and I'm going to, I'm going to put this recording on the chat. I'm going to save it. I might even put it on my website later on. The, that emotion of, oh shit is exactly that is precisely what the soliciting agent that's his goal is to invoke that that emotion of oh here I go I'm I'm screwed I'm at the mercy of this officer they they are very skilled at triggering that emotion that's what they that's how they operate that's what gives them power and if they can't if they can't invoke that emotion then it it doesn't go as well for them because one of the things i want to talk about is the only way the only way they can do anything is with your consent now absolutely most people think that, well, you know, they've got the guns in the clubs, they can put the cuffs on you, and, and physically they can. Now, I'm going to give you guys a scenario that is kind of unrelated, but yet it is exactly the same thing. The vans that I deliver all have the OnStar program. They all have OnStar, and... I actually, uh, one time I accidentally hit the, uh, the call button and it wasn't but 30 seconds at the most that this lady came over the speakers and asked me if I have an emergency. But uh, I just told her, no, I, I'm sorry, I hit it by accident, it, everything's cool. So some time ago, I guess it was um, early this spring, I'm not sure. I brought a van home, I, I stopped at home and I was going to deliver this van and I locked the keys into it. So they have both sets, it's a brand new van, both sets of keys on a wire tie and I locked the whole thing in the van. And so there's no, there's no spare key. So I called, I googled the number for OnStar and I called them. And um, one of the first things they did is they asked me if I have an account. And I said, no, this is a new van. The MCO is, 
you know, the manu- manufacturer's certificate of origin is in the van. It hasn't been registered. And so they hem-hawed around. I gave them the VIN number and everything. They refused to unlock it because it's, it's not in the system. Now, physically, they had every capability to unlock that van. But they, they didn't. She, um, she switched me to GMC Roadside Service. Well, after being on the phone with this, whoever it was, I got the same answer. They can't, they can't do anything with it because it's not registered. GMC is the company that built the van. You can take um, a VIN number and go to a GMC dealer and have a key built. Like, they they obviously have record of everything they put out. But they did not, I, I couldn't get either one of them to unlock that van. Which we ended up popping the rear window and I had one of the boys watch from the side while I messed around with a, I built a, a big U-shaped rod thing and reached in there and finally got it unlocked. But, why did they why did they not want to mess with it it's because when you register a vehicle you're giving them consent to administer the car or van or truck or whatever it is the mco gets sent to the bmb and now they have administrative rights and you could call them and they would unlock it in a heartbeat so the same thing is true when you when you're dealing with an officer on the road or a clerk at a at a front desk of a courtroom or an attorney or it, it doesn't matter they absolutely will not administer your affairs unless you give them consent okay so last tuesday carol Carol and I were on the road. Um, can you can you mute Glenn? Mute your uh, so so we don't have any background noise. So we were on the road up in Michigan. We were going to pick up a van, and I I had to take somebody along because this particular van did not have a hitch, didn't have a way of towing. So we. Uh, we were within five miles of getting off the highway, and we pulled in an off ramp, you know, left the highway to uh, stop at a gas station. And there was an officer, a state trooper, on a on his motorcycle at right at the beginning of the off ramp, the exit ramp. He he had just concluded another traffic stop. I had seen him flip his lights off, you know, like when I was about a half mile away. He had just finished up. We cruised past him, and as we pull up to the to the stoplight to make a left-hand turn, he whips in behind us and flips on his lights. Actually, no, he, he came up beside us. He flipped on his lights and he pulled up beside us, and he uh, made some mention that Carol wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So... So he asked something about uh, why, 
that she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, etc., etc. And I just looked at him and I said, I don't understand. And he goes, um, you don't understand that she wasn't wearing a seatbelt? I said, no, I don't. I don't understand. So he asked for her ID and she gave him her passport. And then he saw, when he, when he got the passport, he goes, he looks at me and he said, who's this vehicle registered to? I said, it's held in trust. He goes, oh. Then he looks at me and he said, oh, you're not wearing a seatbelt either. I need your ID as well. So I gave him my passport. Well, let me back up um, because I missed something. He, he come up there and he started firing questions. You know, we had the window down and he's like, oh, so now you have your seatbelt on, but you didn't. Well, she actually hadn't changed anything, but he wasn't looking. He was in a big rush. And I said, no, I don't understand, etc. So he literally goes, okay, let me, let me start over. I'm officer so-and-so-and-so with the state police, et cetera, et cetera. And then he starts in again, uh, like that was supposed to make a difference or intimidate us or whatever. And so he kept asking several questions and he, he asked about the registration. I said, it's held in trust because it's like when the, when the OSHA officer comes out to your job site, the first thing he's going to, the first thing, okay, Glenn, uh, I'll put the recording on the chat. First thing he looks for is the owner. So he wanted to find a responsible party. I said, it's held in trust. He goes back with our passports. I see him punching around on his computer tablet for a while. And, and I knew it wasn't going the way he wanted it to. And then he goes over like clear behind us and goes over clear on the other side of the road and gets on his phone. And he's on the phone for like 10 minutes. Now, he obviously didn't want us to hear what he was saying, but um, when he was done, he comes up with, with the passports. He said, well, you know, if, if I can just get you guys to wear your, you know, put your seatbelts on, I'll just go ahead and cut you loose. I'm not going to write you up or anything. And, you know, so I looked at him and I said, are you asking us if we'd wear our seatbelts? He said, yes. I said, yeah, we can do that. And uh, so he handed us our passports. Now, earlier, I forgot this. I had given him my business card and he refused to take it. He said, he doesn't want that. He wants my ID. I said, well, that's fine. But I want you to know that you will be surety for all transactions. I'm putting you on notice. So... When he was all done, I asked him for his business card and he goes back, he said yes. And by the way, when he came up after he was on the phone and all that, he was very respectful. His whole demeanor had changed. He wasn't quite as cocky. He was very respectful. When I asked him for his business card, he said, yes, I have one in my saddlebag, I'll go get it. And he went and got it. So, so the whole point in this thing is, we did not, I did not give him consent to administer our affairs. I just, I told him, I don't understand. Or 
certain questions that he asked me. I wish I would have a recording of it, but I, I said, I don't, we don't answer those questions. You know, why weren't you wearing a seatbelt? Well, we don't answer those questions. So, so it's all about, it's about not giving them administrative rights or administrative privileges. So this is kind of a basic scenario, but it's very, very important because whether it's a traffic ticket or, or a traffic stop or whether wherever you're at, once you've contracted, it is still possible to get out of the contract, but it's way more effective if you can avoid the contract in the first place. That is way, way more effective. So, so the thing I wanted to talk about here also is we need to quit looking at these officers as if they were some kind of superiors. We need to stop treating them as if they were gods. It, you know, there was nowhere in that whole process that I disrespected him. He would ask me a question and I simply looked at him and I said, well, I don't answer questions. Or it's held in trust. And the, uh, you know, I just let him know that he's going to be surety. And that's really just how I said it. Very matter of fact. No, um, no big deal. You know, you want to do business with me, you're going to be surety for the transactions. So, so I wanted to, I wanted to bring this topic on the table today because when fear sets in, the, the agent has the upper hand. And I know what that feels like. I've been there. Been there and done that. But I want to point out that these guys are trained puppets. Number, number one, they're trained puppets. Number two, they are trained very, very well in dealing with people who fight and argue. They love that. When there's a controversy or a fight or some kind of, you know, violent reaction, they are, they're equipped to handle that. If they don't, if they can't handle it by themselves, they'll call backup. They're like, that's their game. When you keep your composure, you know, like uh, Michael says, the guy on YouTube, he said, speak your truth, even if your voice quivers. Because here's the deal. The third point that I want to bring out is if you're, you know, you might be thinking, oh my God, if, if I don't, you know, what if he, what if he puts cuffs on me? Well, what if he does? Or what if he takes me to jail? Well, what if he does? Because if you're asking those questions in your mind, you're setting the stage for that to happen. If you're putting that fear out there, you're setting the stage for that to happen. The way I look at it is, these bozos are revenue collectors. They're revenue agents. They are creating revenue for the system. 
a system that traffics children, traffics grown-up people, and, and these tickets, these bonds that they write are worth millions and millions and millions of dollars to the, to the uh, Babylonian establishment. Now, that's all changing. That's all going away. But, but the point is, until we know that it's over with, we need to look at it as such. So, I don't, I'm not going to give them that opportunity to make millions of dollars to play their dirty game. And I just know that if I keep my calm, even if I'm afraid, just look at them and say, you know, it's like um, look under the bed and realize that there really is no monster there. It was all in your mind. Because that's where this game is played, is in your mind. That's where they play the game of getting you to submit through fear. Um, this guy was pretty decent. He was a little bit, uh, a little bit cocky and, and overbearing, but still not too bad. And I've, I've also dealt with some that are um, borderline psychotic, like bullies and probably not fit to be on the street without a gun, let alone with one strapped on them. But if you, if you stand your ground, uh, there's, there's a couple things to remember. We, I also know a guy that's in jail right now and has been in jail over and over and over and over again because he refuses to identify himself. He doesn't learn. He's he's studied this thing of operating outside of the system for way longer than I have, but he is stuck in a very unteachable state. He's he flat refuses to learn from his mistakes. So so he gets pulled over because he doesn't have his vehicle registered. And he doesn't give them any kind of ID because, hey, I'm private. I'm, you know, it's none of your business who I am. Well, the evidence is that it's not working. These guys have a problem with that, okay? Because they they know they know who he is. But but here's the thing: if you if you encounter one of those agents and you don't give them any identification, you don't give them any, you don't, they don't give them your, you don't give them your name or nothing. How do they know that you're not from Iraq? Or how do they know you're not from Mexico or Canada or Norway or whatever the heck the country is? Well, they know you're not, but, but yet that's how you have to look at it. So. So we get to communicate with them respectfully, let them know who we are, but absolutely not contract with them. So, so the uh, being, changing your status to uh, diplomatic status, uh, correcting the birth record, will help immensely with this process. And then using your passport instead of a driver's license uh, when you look at the passport, you know, it's, it says in the book that it's very clear 
this is your travel document and they are not to detain you at all. So, so we get to communicate with them and let them know who we are. Like in my case, if he asked for my name, which he didn't, but if he asked wherever it's at, if one of these agents asked for my name, I'm Paul Albert of the House of Graber. And they'll make some smart aleck question like, oh, so Paul Albert Graber is your full name? That's a trick question to get you to contract. I didn't say anything about a full name. I didn't say Paul Albert Graber. That's not even remotely close what I said. And they heard what I said. And then I'll look at him and I'll say it slow. I said, I am Paul Albert of the House of Graber. And usually it only takes about twice. But the point is, they know what that means. These officers or clerks or whoever you're dealing with, they know one thing, and that is in order to get the upper hand, they have to get you to contract. They have to get you to submit. Okay? Now, we get all scared and tied up in a knot because we're afraid of what they're going to do. Well, let's go back to the biblical example of the three Hebrew men. They were being threatened with being thrown in a fiery furnace, being burned alive. And they were thrown in the furnace. But they did not let that outcome or the possibility of a certain outcome, they did not let that determine how they conducted themselves. They said the same thing. We don't answer questions. Uh, If you read it specifically, it says, We do not care to answer your question. They never stepped into that king's silly question. They They never engaged in that conversation. What they did do is they talked about who they are. They said, Our God can deliver us from your furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. So they, they uh, solidified who they served and what their God can do, and they stayed out of contract. So they were, they were respectful. They didn't, they didn't uh, judge the king or tell him, oh, you're, you're violating so-and-so statute of your own laws, blah, blah, blah. They didn't say any of that. They stayed in the private They let the king know that, hey, we're over here in God's house. We're not coming over to your side. And they also let him know that regardless what you do, whether you throw us in the furnace or not, you you are completely without say in the matter. If we burn in the furnace, you won't have us anymore. We're out of your hand. If we walk out alive, it's out of your hands. They, they made it very clear. Our God will deliver us from your hand. See, he, he didn't have any say-so. Nothing. None at all. And so they were protected. They knew. They, the, the king knew, even though he tried to act like he didn't. So that's how... That's how this works. If we make a commitment 
and, and I can't do that for anybody else, but if we make a commitment that, hey, we're going to stay put, I don't answer questions. Here's my travel document. And if he asks for ownership anytime, whether it's your house, whether it's your car, see, everybody's car is held in trust anyway. Most people don't know that. They think they own it, but they don't. It's held in a public trust. So it's held in trust. You never, you never, um, in, in a situation with an officer, you never give them ownership. I know of a situation where a young man, you know, same kind of thing. He, the cop messed around and messed around, and finally he comes up and says, Do you own this vehicle? He said, Yes. And bingo, he wrote him a ticket. Because now he had admitted to sh- being surety. He admitted to being the responsible party. That's what they're looking for. So you never admit, to, you know, you just tell them it's held in trust. And if somebody walked in my house and said, who owns that, um, the coffee pot? Is that yours? I tell them the same thing. It's held in trust. Um... It's very powerful because that it's like you control it, but but if it's held in trust, and even if it wasn't held in trust five minutes before the conversation started, it can be when you're having the conversation. Okay, doesn't matter. For the purpose of dealing with an outside agent who is trying to profit from harassing you or getting you under contract. Um, you need have no qualms whatsoever about, you know, you. this is who I am right now and this is what's going on right now. You know, five minutes from now, I don't know. Five minutes ago, it was different. But right now, everything's held in trust. Or right now, I'm in a non-representative capacity, etc. Um, so, the same way, uh, th- this is a little bit different situation, but... I've had people do this. They go into court, into these kangaroo courts, and they stick to the line, I'm the creditor, I'm here as a creditor, and I I want you to settle this account today. And he was threatened with being put in jail, arrest warrant, etc. But because he he, he stayed put, he did not contract, he didn't waver, he just... He didn't, he wasn't rude, but he had a plan when he went in and he stuck with it regardless of what the outcome was going to be. And because of that, you know, this was um, two DUIs. Uh, As a side note, this is how absolutely satanic and corrupt this system is. Two DUIs on the same one incident. So, because of that, he walked out of that courtroom that day and they haven't bothered him since. They were going to try to escalate it to a criminal offense. They were going to drag him through the, you know, but because he stayed put, I I don't think... Um, I know he was pretty pretty concerned about, you know, initially, but after I talked with him for a while and I pointed out that, hey, you know, 
uh, you have nothing to lose. If you stay, you know, we can be all, oh my God, I don't know, they're going to put me, what if they put me in jail? What if they do this? What if they do? Well, by staying strong and I don't answer questions or I'm the creditor or it's held in trust, whatever it is that that needs to be done at the time, you have absolutely nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. I don't know how else to say it. There's there's nothing to lose. Um, do we get nervous and scared? Yeah, that's that's how those places operate. The courts, the officers on the road, the, their whole system functions and does well, be, or it used to, because of fear. If you want to control someone, you scare the bejeebies out of them, and then you can control them. You want to control someone, you make it look like there's no hope. You know, if I can convince you that the only way you get out of this room alive is I'm going to give you this form and you sign this form. If you sign this form, I'll open the door and let you go. If you don't, you know, right there's a guillotine and I'm going to take your head off. Would you sign the paper? Especially if there was like five of us and we all had guns and clubs. Uh, most people would sign the paper and they're like, huh, whew. You know, then later you find out that uh, the paper you signed is an agreement to uh, lay down on the guillotine and let them take your head off. Maybe that's like whatever it is, but, but that's what they do. Or in the kangaroo courts, they, they throw somebody under the bus and give them, oh, there's five charges, you know, there's the big one of involuntary manslaughter, and then there's this and this and this and all these charges. But if you sign the plea deal, we'll drop the other four. Like this judge, he could, he could tear your head off and your arms and your feet. But uh, if you sign here, He'll only chop your one foot off halfway, like just behind the toes. So you'll be way better off. Um, if you don't sign it at all and you tell them to go stick it, you'll have all your feet and your toes and everything. And your money. I mean, you don't really tell them to go stick it, but that's what it means because you just refuse to contract. You don't contract. So, so I hear a lot about, um, you know, in, in the spiritual, in the, I shouldn't say that, in the religious circles, in the religious circles, you hear a lot about, oh, we got to fight with the spiritual weapons, you know, we fight against the principalities of the air and it's a spiritual war and we got to fight with spiritual weapons because, oh my, it's, and then in the, in the circles of, you know, the, the patriots, they talk about going into these courts and here's how you win the case. You go in there and you say this and this and this and then you, you know, you shut the whole thing down and, and you make them, uh, why fight? 
That's what they want. They want a fight. When I... The incident of where the guy went in and had one hearing and then walked out and, and they never bothered him again, there was no fight. There was no... There was no highfalutin patriot speak of, oh, such and such code, U.S. and this and that and, and this court case way back in 1795 and this court case in 1920 and then there's this court case, you know, the case law and the U.S. codes, they're violating this, they're viol- there was none of that. Not even one speck. There was, none, there was nothing about, oh... You know, the Constitution, my constitutional rights, they will steamroll you. There was none of that. There were two things he went in there with. If they asked for his name, he said, I am John Henry of the House of Doe. And anything else they said, anything else, it doesn't matter what it was, he said, I am the, I'm here as a creditor and I'm instructing you to settle this account today. And it worked very well because he didn't muddle the waters with trying to sound smart. He didn't muddle the waters with being all scared and being afraid to, you know, if, if we're afraid, then we should for sure shut up and be quiet instead of running our mouth and trying to uh, appease our attacker, our accuser. So there was none of that. And the same goes with these religious nut jobs. They want to fight, 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 fight. They got to get spiritual, fight, fight, fight. No, there is no fight because you know what? If I, if I address the enemy in in the spiritual realm I tell him who is in charge and I tell him where to go that's it you're cast out you're done you know just go to the bottomless pit where you're going anyway it's over and you're gone you're out of here that's very different than than fighting it's like uh, John said in, in Revelation, and by the way, um, we, are, we are living, uh, Revelation is unfolding right now, right now. It's like if you, if you see what's going on in the world and how the system is collapsing and Satan's agents are being punished, the punishments and the and the tribulations in Revelation is for Satan's crowd. Has nothing to do with God's children. So, so if you look at what John told us, he said, "Come out of her, my people." He didn't say, "Go fight her and destroy her." He said, "Come out of her." The mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. And if if we would do that, the only reason the corporation has gotten top-heavy and obnoxious and arrogant and out of control is because we've given them money. We've given them our energy. We've given them too much of our attention. 
So they have grown and prospered. Fortunately, people are waking up. There's a lot of people waking up and there's even more who I think um, should wake up, but, but they're not yet. So hopefully this is beneficial for you. Uh, I've, I've jumped tracks a couple times kind of, you know, but it, but it all, it's at the end of the day, it's all the same. Consent is law. Even let's flip it around on the other side. When Christ walked the earth and he healed people, he got their consent before he healed them because God gave us free will. And you go, you go try to cast demons out of people that without their consent, it will not go well for them. Now you can do that, but it's not recommended because uh, if you do it without their consent, uh, it'll end up worse. So whenever Christ healed someone, you know, there was a lady that touched the hem of his robe without, but still that was based on her free will. But usually, <coughs> excuse me, give me a second. He would say something like, do you believe? Reach out your hand, go wash in the river, etc., etc. Whatever it was, these people healed. They were healed by the power of God, the creator. The power that's within us is what healed them. But... Christ only showed them the way because it, it was always as you believe, so shall it be done unto you. Ask and it shall be given. Knock and it shall be opened. So it's always up to us. So he even got the consent of the people and it's the same way uh, in a very uh, evil sense when Satan's crowd tries to administer things for us or uh, take Hollywood, that's what that whole thing is, is they they put out these movies and have a gazillion people put their energy and their attention to it and be okay with it. And now in their twisted, warped, satanic way of thinking, now they have consent. And, and really they do, because um, some of the movies that people watch and call it a great movie, it is... It's beyond me, like, how you could even watch them. But people do, so they give consent. So it's always by consent that they do things. And, like I said, ending a contract is possible, but uh, not signing it or not, not giving verbal consent in the first place is much more effective. Go ahead, Tina. I, I see the wheels turning. Yeah, will this work um, even though I have a driver's license and I do not own a passport as of this red hot moment? Um, it's, or do I need a passport? You, uh, there's, a, there's a process of correcting your birth record and there's also the passport. Uh, the birth record is the most important, but but yet the passport... See, the, the driver's license is actually a contract in itself. It's a contractual agreement that when you hand that over, you're, you're telling the officer that you're an agent for your 
straw man trust and that you're taking responsibility for all transactions that they want to create. So this wouldn't work. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but it wouldn't work via driver for me at this point in time um, because there's there's aspects that you can still benefit from, such as if they ask about ownership of the car, uh, which they they probably won't if you give them a driver's license. But um, you know, the, what's the first thing they do? Do you know why I pulled you over? And most people are like, "Yes, wrong move." Yeah. You know, what I would do in a case like that, even if I was going to give a driver's license, I would tell them, I don't answer questions. Well, I need to see your driver's license. Okay, then you give it to them because that's all you have. But you can still not answer questions. The only thing they need is your driver's license and possibly they'll want your registration and, you know, um, proof of insurance. Now, in this case, because we gave him our passport, he didn't even, he asked me if the car, if the van is insured. And I said, do you want to see the insurance card? And he's like, he ignored it. He just completely dropped it. So there's a couple things you might have to give him, you know, but you don't have to answer any of their silly questions. And just tell them, I don't answer questions. I'm, I'm in a non-representative capacity, so I can't answer any questions. Now, I'm in it, a non-representative capacity. Yeah. Thank you. Now, what you can do is, um, if he asks you for your driver's license, uh, you can tell him, "Well, I don't have a driver's license, but you guys have one that, you know." You, you require me to carry it along, so um, just to satisfy your, you know, your system. So here's your driver's license. And then they, uh, they might do something like they might show you that they'll turn the car toward you and say, "So this isn't you." Like referring to the picture on the card. And in that, in that case, uh, I would answer with something like, actually, that's, a, that's an image. And no, it's not me. This is me. Like what you see right here, this is me. But no, that's not me. That's just a, that's just a plastic card. And you may not want to go down that road, but... plastic card. Yeah, it is. And it's really not yours. No. And and how really. you know how you know is because they want to control it like it's theirs. You know, 
when you don't perform, because as the agent, you don't perform, that's when they punish you. So, so they want to act like they own it, let them own it. No, I, I don't have a license, but you guys do. Here it is. Now, there is a, I have my family and, and some other people also um, carry a business card. And it's, um, see, when, you're, when you interact with these agents and you're on your own, you're, you're fair game. But when you belong to, um, when you belong to an organization, it, it changes the picture entirely. In other words, when you have an attorney, sometimes they'll, I, I've seen this, where they'll give you a card and, and they'll tell you now, if you get pulled over, give the officer this card and tell them you're not allowed to answer questions. They can call me. If they have questions, they can call me. Because you're without representation, right? You're not required to speak. Well, it's the same sense in, in our house. Um, when you when people give them that give the officer that card, that that makes them aware that I'm not out here on my own. I actually belong to this organization. I you know it's it sets a very different tone. It does. Yeah. I'm. So it's the answering of the questions that's getting people into trouble. Exactly. So if you were, say, black, um, and blacks are terrified of police because there's been so much brutality, you know, or falseness, this would work then? Of course it would, right? Of, of course it would. Um, you know, and, and I've done, even at the county jail when they picked me up, I said uh, they wanted to ask, they wanted to start this rigmarole, this process of booking me. And I said, no disrespect to you at all, but I am exercising my right to remain silent on all issues. Or... Another way of saying the same thing, no disrespect to you, but I don't answer questions. Well, why not? I don't answer questions. Or if they say, why not? You could say, well, I have to talk to my counsel first. You know, I'm without representation, but you know, usually, um, I don't answer questions is they the officer asked Carol when she got pulled over here some time ago last year or whenever it was she used her passport and the guy goes were you born in Indiana she said I don't answer questions oh okay that was it they know 
They know. They know exactly what they're doing. And every question they ask is about bringing you, like, he goes, she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and now she is, which he was actually, he, he was in a big hurry, and he had, he had assumed that she put it on. But, but either way, he goes, do you understand that? I said, no, I don't understand. You don't understand that she wasn't wearing a seatbelt? I said, no, nope, I don't understand. You know, I can be however dumb it, I need to be for a few minutes. <laughs> because it's the same way in the courtroom. Everything, every time they open their mouth, it's about getting you under their jurisdiction. Always. That's the only reason they are even... They're not... You know, um, if they were here to protect the people and to provide uh, a safeguard for them, then that would be different. But they're not talking with you because they want to help you. They're talking with you because they want to generate a bond which will keep their job for them and will make millions and millions and millions of dollars for the for the corrupt court system. And they don't even know it, do they? Some. Uh, a lot of them do, yeah. Yeah. They know that it's a bond. Because when you tell them that they're going to be surety, uh, that changes the game. It, it really, and you can do that even if you're uh, using a license. You can let them know, uh, just putting you on notice, you'll be surety for all transactions. What does that mean exactly? Well, See, we were in we were in trouble because Adam and Eve transgressed, right? And Satan had a claim on the people, which means we as mankind were surety. You know, if you you were told when you were growing up, you need to be responsible. You want to be responsible for your actions. Well, sometimes that's good. Like if you break a window, you do the responsible thing and you pay to fix it. That's good. But now you have a cop which comes along and he hands you a ball bat and says, go ahead and break the window so I can write you up. In other words, He's making a crime, you know, it's not a broken window, it's like not wearing a seatbelt. Hello, excuse me, there's no damage. But he's trying to make a crime out of it. So, so now you have to be responsible and pay for not wearing a seatbelt. And then on the back side, they make millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, in that case, you do not want to be surety. Well, in our case, as mankind, we were in a bad shape, and they, in the Old Testament, they had to, uh, you know, they had to sacrifice goats and cows and all kinds of stuff over and over and over, all you know, for years and years. And then Christ came, and he stepped in as a third-party intervener, and he became surety. 
and he did it once and for all. So he, he became surety for us so that the debt, the, the account was settled. Now, there's situations where guys were being drugged through court for some kind of family situation, which is, which is actually an ecclesiastic. It's, it's an ecclesia issue. It's an ecclesia matter. When it's, well, most things are ecclesia matters, but when, it, when you're dealing with children and mom and dad, family, that's, that's a church or ecclesia issue. So some of the other men of the church step in and say, look, if you let us, you know, turn him loose and we'll be responsible for this guy and we'll make sure that he corrects his ways and we'll work with him, etc. And they'll turn him loose. They don't have a choice. Because the ecclesia, if the church, now most churches are so convoluted and, and screwed up, they're all part of the corporate agenda, but if the church is who they really should be, it's a higher jurisdiction. It's a jurisdiction above the, the statutory courts. So when they step in as a third-party interviewer and say, I'll walk with this guy and I'll help him correct the, the matter and make sure that everybody's taken care of, they have to let him go. At a church, there's no definition. It's just a family. You mean, um... I mean, a church could be anybody. Yeah, our house is a church. For for the lack of a better term, it's really, uh, ecclesia. But if you say, if you say to a judge, um, we operate under original jurisdiction, like your dad would have known what this means. Original jurisdiction? That's the yeah. juris, that's the jurisdiction of man mankind directly underneath God the Creator. There is no higher jurisdiction than that on planet Earth. That's original jurisdiction. Okay. We had a guy locally here, uh, been in court with his children and his wife and it's been a mess. The judge recused himself from the case and said, this matter needs to go back to the original jurisdiction. Now the sad part is, my friend does not get what the judge said. He doesn't get it. He's, he's not tracking. But the judge just got done telling him, I'm not going to mess with this anymore. You need to take it out of this court system and take care of it yourself. That's what he was telling him. He was given... He was giving him an, he was giving him an open door telling him what I've been trying to tell him for years they know wow they really do oh yeah these guys in black robes or or women um, maybe maybe some of them are a little bit arrogant but or, or ignorant, but most of them, especially if they've been around for a while, they know scripture way better than the so-called Christians do. They have to, because there's a line 
that they cannot cross. If they do, uh, they can disappear really easy. How? Well, because their superiors will make them disappear. If you go into a courtroom on a hearing, like um, you get called into court and you look at the judge and you say this, I serve the one true God, my creator, and I know what the lie is. Uh, Most likely, he will not even address that statement. He will not refute it or argue or try to make, you know, he'll, he'll try to take you down another trail but he will not refute that statement. He won't even address it because he can't. And so if you just keep saying that, what happens? Uh, if I would have said it three times instead of just once, I'd have walked out and it would have been over with. That was back when I kind of, I knew a lot of stuff, enough to get me in trouble, but, but not, I recorded it and that's, Later, I went back and listened to the recording. I looked at the transcript, and I realized what had happened. But when I said that, he turns to the attorney that was coming after me, and he goes, do you have any other questions? And then the attorney started bantering with me, and I made the mistake of entering into a conversation with him, when in reality, all I would have needed to do is say the same thing again. Like, did you not hear me? Boom, say the same thing. And if I'd have said that three times, I'd have been out of there. Would have been over with. Instead of that, I went to jail for 30 days. <laughs> for contempt of court. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a learning experience. And that's the one thing before I use these things that I... Uh, have caution about is I don't want to screw myself up because then you're really screwed if you if you it seems to me if I were to say okay I serve the one true God I serve the one true God the creator and I know what the lie is and then I answer a question I don't hold that line I could be in real trouble yeah and and that's that's so, it's like I kind of know some things or I've heard them and I inherit them and if that's all I need to say I'm good it, it's really it's really yeah. that simple it's really basic and and where we mess it up is we we start saying too much it's you know we worry about what to say and how can we do this and we don't need to be that smart we just you know we keep to the basics now if you if you want to get educated on this to a level that is like insane, come out for a David Strait's seminar. Now, whether you do that or not, here's what I'm going to say. Don't don't get yourself into a knot about what we discussed on this call today. Just you know, go back and listen to it, think about it, just immerse in the information and and other information, you know, other people's, uh, there's others out there that train, but just so get familiar with like it. Like for blacks, oh, okay, or I have a CCW, um, 
And when they say, okay, get out of the car, I say, I don't understand. Or for blacks, when they, they 